Good morning. Good morning, Kylie. Oh, good morning. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. Happy birthday to Kylie. Mom. Spring break. We're feeding the homeless this Wednesday. That's my back. We. We. It's spring break. I'm going to be at Terry's house. Pop needs some help. The next women's study is March 23rd. 6 p.m. at the house. The next men's study is March 25th, 9 a.m. at Starbucks. And you're starting your new book? Yeah, we just, yeah, we're wrapping up the other one. We're moving on. Because you're going to give me a lot of stuff about not being caught up to you. Oh, was, was a challenge. It's better for us to lead you. Huh? Nothing. I would do the introduction first. Make sure you do the, the very first part of the book. That's good. The next year's night, March 30th. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, no, not March. Not March. Why not? March 3rd? 30th. Did you not see it? It's up on the screen. And then email updates. Sign up for email updates once a week. Or go to the website, thechurchne.org. There's a calendar there. Let's pray. And dear Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you for this time to learn more about who you are, your character, about how you watch over us, how you care for us, how you love us. How you lead us and guide us. I ask that you would lead us and guide us through this study. That your words would be spoken. That you would speak to each of our hearts. That you would meet us right where we're at. And you know our thoughts, our desires. You know what each one of us is going through. That you would comfort us. That you would lead us and guide us. In this day, it's in Jesus' mighty name. We pray all these things. Amen. 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 So we're going to start the book of Hebrews. And we'll make it through the first three verses today. Okay? So the book of Hebrews is written um, by an unknown author. A lot of people think it's Paul, but it's not very clear. And if God wanted us to know who wrote the book of Hebrews, then he would have put it in here. But the author isn't important, because what is important is that the book of Hebrews points us to Jesus and points us to who Jesus is in our lives and the, that Jesus is everything. And so we're going to look at just the first three verses, but that's going to take us a while to get through those because it's going to explain who Jesus was, that he always existed, that he was not created, and that everything that is created was created through him. So that's what we're going to look at here this morning. But the whole book of Hebrews takes you through, in every aspect, how Jesus is a part of our everything. How we need him every minute of every day. So we'll start in Hebrews chapter 1, starting in verse 1. So Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1. 
Long ago, God spoke many times and in many ways to our ancestors through the prophets. So this author is writing to more than likely he's writing to Christians who come from a Jewish background. Jews who have converted over to um, becoming Christians. So he's relating, um, introducing this book or introducing this letter to them and relating it back to their ancestors and the prophets. And he's relating it back, what we would know as the Old Testament. So continue on here in verse 2. And now, in these final days, he has spoken to us through his Son. God promised everything to the Son as an inheritance. And through the Son, he created the universe. So God has spoken to us through his son, through his son Jesus, God spoke to us. He made it clear to us that Jesus is the Savior that we've been waiting for. That because of the work Jesus did on the cross, our sins can be forgiven, can be removed, can be um, taken off of our record. There's no sin that God won't forgive, that God won't remove from our record. But we also learn that God has promised everything to the Son, and that the Son has an inheritance of everything. And also, that through the Son, through Jesus, He created the universe. So we're going to take a look at that, what that means. So, do you think it's something like this? God, with His finger, created the universe? Yeah, you don't think so? No, something like this. God's holding the universe. He created it. No. no, not like that either. So this is the universe that we get to see. The picture on the left is through the Hubble telescope. The picture on the right is through the James Webb telescope. Same area, but a lot deeper understanding. Same here, the picture on top is through the Hubble telescope. The picture on the bottom is through the James Webb telescope. So same area, but a lot deeper understanding, right? So even though we may think that we understand the universe, we really are just barely touching the surface. And that the only one that truly understands is God himself. Right? There's another picture through the James Webb telescope. And you get to see... In all the contrasting images, you get to see many, many, many more stars, right? So it's pretty cool. So we read in Hebrews that Jesus created the universe. So everything that we're seeing in these images, Jesus created, right? So for a look on that, we're going to go to John, the Gospel of John, chapter 1. And then when we get done here, we're going to go to Genesis chapter 1. So the Gospel of John. So John, this is um, the Apostle John, who writes the Gospel of John. He also writes 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. And then he also wrote the book of Revelation. So here, the Apostle John, who spent um, was part of Jesus' ministry here on earth, spent time with Jesus, refers to himself as the 
disciple that Jesus loved is introducing, is writing the gospel and introducing Jesus, and he choose to, chooses to introduce him in this way. And that's because the Holy Spirit led him to. So he doesn't use Jesus' name, he uses the word. So we'll read through that. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. So that's how John chooses to introduce Jesus. Led by the Holy Spirit to write this down for a reason, and we'll tie all that together. But I do like to look at these verses, but I like to replace the word or the, the pronouns of he and him with the name of Jesus and read through it. So in the beginning was Jesus, and Jesus was with God, and Jesus was God. Jesus was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Jesus, and without Jesus, nothing was made that was made. In Jesus was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. So, does that have an understanding of who Jesus is or what he did? That he always existed. He was not created. The God we serve is not a created being. That Jesus always existed. And that through him, God made everything. That Jesus created everything. And that there's nothing that was created that was made that he didn't create. You understand that? Does that make sense? So now, let's go and look at creation. Let's go and look at Genesis. I think it's very interesting that John uses the term the word to speak about Jesus. We've also been over this in Ephesians chapter 6 where we talk about the spiritual battle. That the battle is not against flesh and blood. It's a spiritual battle. And that God gives us his spiritual armor to put on. The armor of God. And in that we have the sword. What is the sword? The sword is the word of God. Right? And that Jesus, in the end, when we look at him in the book of Revelation, that he rightly divides, that the, the sword of his word cuts through, um, the, is the sharpest of any two edged sword, dividing between bone and marrow, dividing right from wrong. And that when he comes back, he has a sword, meaning his word is coming out of his mouth. And when he ends everything, when this great battle comes against him, how does he defeat all of the armies of the entire world? With his word, right? So his word is very powerful. And we're going to look at that. And there's a reason that John chose to introduce him that way. And John was obviously led by the Holy Spirit for that. But here, we're going to go through the story of creation. So Genesis chapter 1, starting in verse 1. And for this, we're going to be in the New King James Version. Um, and there's some minor differences between the New King James and the New Living Translation. But um, it just seems to be a little bit more um, 
important and accurate to read it out of the New King James. So, Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. So here's an image that someone's come up with of what they think that's like. The Spirit of God hovering over the face of the waters, right? That in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, and we've learned already that that was Jesus who created the heavens and the earth, and that the earth was without form, it was void, um, and God's Spirit is hovering over the waters of the deep, right? That's what we've learned so far. Okay. So then continuing on in verse 3. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. So how did God create light? And specifically in the Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the three into one, one God. Who created light? Well, we've learned so far that Jesus did, because nothing was created that Jesus didn't create. So Jesus created light, and how did he do it? With his word. Isn't that pretty amazing? So he doesn't use his hands. He uses his word to create light. God said, let there be light. Jesus said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw the, the, saw the light, that it was good, and God divided the light from the darkness. God called the light day and the darkness night. So the evening and morning, so the evening and the morning were the first day. So God created light. Does this mean what we just read that God created the sun? Is that what we read? No, we read that God created light, right? We have lights in the room, and those lights are not coming from the sun. God created light. So, we have lights in many ways. Fire produces a light, right? So, do you understand what God has created so far? He created light, not the sun yet. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, continuing on here, Genesis chapter 1, verse 6. Then God said, let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters and let it divide the waters from the waters. So God said, let there be a firmament. So Jesus said, let there be a firmament. Thus, God made the firmament and divided the waters which were under the firmament from the waters which were above the firmament. And it was so. And God called the firmament heaven so the evening and morning were the second day. So now we read that God has created this firmament and that he separated the heavens, the heaven. And so for the Jews, it was common for them to think of three heavens. Paul's refers to um, going up, being caught up into the third heaven. Well, the first heaven was the sky where the birds are. The second heaven is the universe where the stars and the sun are. And the third heaven was where God reigned, where God lived. That was um, how the Jews viewed heaven. 
So here we read about this firmament, and there's many different people that have many different thoughts on this. What that firmament is, is that firmament um, the outer edge of the atmosphere? It could be. Some think that this firmament was like a, a cloud covering over the, over the entire earth, kind of like a canopy, like a rainforest canopy. Uh, so we won't get into that, but just some different thoughts on it. So day two... What did God create? God created this firmament. And it separated the waters from above from the waters that were below. So I would say to you, I lean more towards the cloud cover because we haven't found waters in the universe yet, right? They're looking for waters everywhere, but we haven't found them. But there are waters in the atmosphere, right? And there's waters below in the sea. So, so I would say to you, my thought is that the ferment was this cloud covering, this cloud canopy. So we'll continue on here, Genesis chapter 1, verse 9. Then God said, Let the waters under the heavens be gathered together in one place, and let the dry land appear. And it was so. So how did God separate the waters from the land? He spoke it. Jesus used his word. And he created it, right? And he joined all the waters together. So are all the oceans joined together? Are they all connected? That's a big question, huh? Yes, they are. And he separated the waters from the land. How do you think he did that? Made some of the oceans deeper, raised some of the land up higher. So the earth was all covered in water to begin with, and the land was probably down below. And then he raised and lowered to see what we see now. So in verse 10, and God called the dry land earth and, and the gathering together of the waters he called seas. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, let the earth bring forth grass the herb that yields seed, and the fruit tree that yields fruit according to its kind, whose seed is in itself on the earth, and it was so. And the earth brought forth grass, the herb that yields seed according to its kind, and the tree that yields fruit, whose seed is in itself according to its kind. And God saw that it was good, so the evening and morning were the third day. So on the third day, what did God do? He separated the sea from the land. He filled the land with trees and with herbs, right? So, and how did Jesus do that? How did he separate the, the waters and the land? And how did he fill it with herbs and trees? With his word, he just spoke it and it happened. So is there power in God's word? There is the power to create. So then we'll continue on here. Genesis chapter 1, verse 14. Then God said, let there be lights in the firmament of the heavens to divide the day from the night and let them be for signs and seasons and for days and years. Let them be for light in the firmament in the heavens to give. Let there be 
for lights in the firmament of the heavens to give light on the earth. And it was so. So now, at this point, what did he create? He created lights in the heavens. And where do we get lights in the heaven from? From the sun? From stars? So then in verse 16, Then God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night. He made the stars also. God set them in the firmament of the heavens to give light on the earth and to rule over the day and over the night and to divide the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. So, in, so the evening and the morning were the fourth day. So now at this point, what has God created? The sun and the moon and the stars, right? And when the evening came and the morning, that was one day. So what does he set now? He set the seasons in motion. He set time in motion. He set day and night in motion. And that was the fourth day. So he's created the sun and the moon. But the interesting thing is that the moon doesn't actually give off its own light. The sun gives the moon its light, and the moon reflects the light. Oh, isn't that interesting? That's like what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to reflect the light of Jesus. Jesus is the light. Did we read about that in Hebrews already? That Jesus is the light? I think we did. Did you remember that? Were you paying attention? Probably not. So Jesus is the light, and we're to reflect the light onto the earth to those around us, right? And God gives us an example of the sun and the moon, where the sun is the source of the light, and all the moon does is reflect that light from the sun, and it reflects it onto the earth. And God created the moon and the sun to shine light onto all the earth, both day and night. Isn't that interesting? So then... We'll continue on, Genesis chapter 1, verse 20. Then God said, Let the waters abound with an abundance of living creatures. Let the birds fly above the earth, across the face of the firmament of the heavens. So God created great sea creatures and every living thing that moves, which the waters abound according to their kind and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the waters in the sea, and let the birds multiply on the earth. So the evening and morning were the fifth day. So again, we see the pattern of evening and morning marks one day. And in this fifth day, what did God do? He created all the birds in the sky, all the fish in the sea. Then God said, Let the earth bring forth living creatures according to its kind, cattle and creeping things and beasts of the earth, each according to its kind. So it was so. So God makes reference quite a few times of according to its kind. So each animal has its own kind. 
So that speaks about this idea of evolution, that things evolve. That's not how God created it. And God doesn't support that way of thinking or that idea. That while things um, may evolve, they're not changing the kinds. So you don't have monkeys turning into humans. That's not what God's saying here, is it? He created everything with its own kind, and he created them, and you still see them today in their own kind. And God made the beasts of the earth according to its kind, cattle according to its kind, and everything that creeps on the earth according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. So does that mean that the the creepy, crawly bugs, they were good? Or the snakes, the slimy snakes, that they were good? Well, according to God, everything he has created so far is good. No death, no decay, no disease. Everything is good. And he's created here all the animals. But he's not done yet. So on day six, he created all the animals. We'll continue on here in verse 26. Then God said, let us make man in our image. So that's very interesting. God said, let us. Who do you think God is referring to? God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Let us make man in our own image. So up until this point, it's God who has created things through his word. Jesus who has created things through his word. But when it comes to men, when it comes to humans, it's a different um, thought. Let us make man in our own image. According to our likeness, let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. And in the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. So at this point, with all that goes on with um, the gender identity, where people are uh, questioning what they were created to be, what did God do? God created them male and female. That he has a plan and a purpose for them. That he created them in his own image. And that he didn't create them like he created the rest of the, of the universe. He created them together. The, Father, the God, the Father, God, the Son, God, the Holy Spirit. Let us make man in our own image. So he's taken extra detail to create man. And while he's created everything with his word, we're going to see how did he create man. Right. So, so far he's created everything just by speaking it into existence. Let there be light, there was light. Right. Let there be the sun, there was the sun. Let the waters be divided from the land, and it was so. Right. So he just said it, and it happened. But then when we get to man, he has a different um, process. Not that his character changes. God's character never changes. He's the same today as he was yesterday, as he's always been. Right, God has always existed outside of time. Nothing about God has ever changed. So God has intentionally made this a point. While he's taken the care to create the entire universe by speaking his words, he's going to create man in a different way. 
So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, See, I have given you every herb that yields seed, which is on the face of all the earth, and every tree whose fruit yields seed. To you it shall be for food. Also to every beast of the earth and every bird in the air, and to everything that creeps on the earth, in which there is life. I have given you every green herb for food, And it was so. Then God saw everything he had made. Indeed, it was very good. So the evening and the morning were the sixth day. So here we read, on the sixth day, God created all the animals on the earth, everything that creeped and crawled, and he created man, right? He created humans. But he didn't just speak them into existence. We won't go through all of Genesis chapter 2, We'll pull out a couple of the key verses in Genesis chapter 2. While he's spoken everything else in creation, everything else in the entire universe, he speaks it into existence. What does he do? He takes extra care when he creates men. And not just men, humankind, mankind, right? So, Genesis chapter 2, we're going to look at verse 7 and verse 22. When he actually created man and when he actually created woman. So Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living being. So how did God create man? Well, he created man from the dust of the ground. So he shaped him. He formed him, right? So now at this point, he hasn't just spoken him into existence. He's taken extra detail. And not only is he taking extra detail, but we read that it's not Jesus alone that's created him, that us, let us create man in our own image. It's the entire Godhead that's created man in their own image, right? So we are created in the image of God. We're created male and female, just the way God intended us. And that with all the things that are going on in this world, we've been over this, that this is a spiritual battle, Right? Ephesians chapter 6, there's a spiritual battle. The enemy is going to come fiercely against whatever God has done. And God has created us male and female with a plan and a purpose. God has taken extra time, taken extra detail into creating man. Not that he wasn't in the details of creating all of the universe. He was in every detail. But here he's very intentional in telling us that he's taken um, an extra um, level of detail and extra care and how he created man. And he created us just the way he did for a reason. He created us um, everything that was created, including us. Not just We're not just talking about in the beginning when God created the heavens and the earth. We're talking about everything that's ever been created was created through Jesus. So Jesus has made each one of you just the way you are. With the nose you have, with the ears you have, with the height you have, with the toes that you have. He's created each and every one of you. And he's taken this detail to create you. Here we read that God has taken detail to create man. 
that it's the Godhead that's created this man, and it's they have formed man out of the dust of the earth, right? So out of the ground, they've formed man. And then we'll go on to Genesis chapter 2, verse 22. And this is when God created the woman. Then the rib, which the Lord had taken from man, he made into a woman, and he brought her to the man. So now we read that God has taken a rib from the man, and that's what he used to create the woman. He formed her, he shaped her in detail, right? He used his hands. So while he spoke everything else into existence, again, men and women, he created in detail with his own hands, right? He's shaped them. So he's shaped each one of us for a plan because he has a plan and a purpose for each of us. So here we read on the sixth day, God created the, the animals and he created humans. He created mankind, both man and woman. And while he created the animals and everything else in the universe, just by speaking it into existence, he took an extra step. He took extra detail into creating men, creating mankind. And the reason for that is because he loves us. He loves us that much that God was willing to send his one and only son to die on a cross, to sacrifice himself for our sins, to pay the price that we could never pay. That when we believe in Jesus, when we believe that Jesus is the son of God, that Jesus died on the cross for our sins, that he rose again in fulfillment of the scriptures, that, um, that God predicted this long ago and that it, it actually came to pass. When we believe that, we believe that Jesus is God, that we are saved. But over this, when we understand that in our minds, when we believe that in our minds, and we believe it in our hearts. And when we believe it in our hearts, it's with a changed life. I once lived this way, and now I live a different way. When we believe that, we are saved. There's nothing that can separate us from God. No power in all of creation can separate us from God. No evil can separate us from God. Not even our own faults and failures can separate us from God. That's how much he loved us. And we get to read that over and over again. And here we get to read that in the story of creation, that he took extra detail in making each one of us just the way we are, because he has a plan and a purpose for us, right? So this is a study not of Genesis, but of Hebrews. So we'll go back to Hebrews, and we'll read one more verse. We're going to get through three verses in Hebrews as we go chapter and verse through the book of Hebrews. So Hebrews, back to Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3. So the Son, meaning Jesus, the Son radiates God's own glory and expresses the very character of God. And he sustains everything by the mighty power of his command. When he had cleansed us from our sins, he sat down in the place of honor at the right hand of the majestic God in heaven. So there's one last thing that we're going to take a look at today, and that's this idea that he sustains everything. So Jesus radiates God's own glory and is ex expresses the very character of God. So if you want to know, well, I wonder what God is really like. I wonder what God really thinks. We'll go through and read the Bible and read the letters that are in red. Read what did Jesus himself say? And you'll understand who, what God's character is or what God thinks because Jesus makes it very clear. He speaks it for himself and Jesus is God. So Jesus expresses the very character of God because Jesus is God. 
And the point that we're going to expand on here is that he sustains everything by his mighty power and his command. So to look at that, we're going to go to Colossians chapter 1, verse 15. So we like to go through the whole Bible, right? Genesis to Revelation. And why do we like to do that? Because when we're studying who God is, God's character, we need to look at it through the whole lens. Any person can take one verse in the Bible and take it out of context. I can take you to one sentence in the Bible that says there is no God. And if I want to um, isolate that one verse, I can make the Bible say whatever I want it to say. I can manipulate it in any way. But when I look at the Bible through the whole lens, from Genesis to Revelation, that one verse that says there is no God in context, when I read the sentence before that, it is a fool in his heart says there is no God. So we have to put everything into context. Any one person can take any one verse of the Bible or one area of the Bible and take it out of context. But when I look at the whole Bible, everything from Genesis to Revelation, what does it all say about God and who he is and his character and how are we to live our lives? And that's very important. So when we're looking at this, we're looking at the character of who Jesus is, what well, Jesus created everything. Nothing that was created wasn't created through Jesus. And now we've read that Jesus sustains everything. And to further understand that, we're going to go to Colossians chapter 1, verse 15. So, Colossians chapter 1, verse 15. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through, through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things that we can see, the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. So we've been over this already, right? This morning, that Jesus created everything. There's nothing that's been created that Jesus didn't create, right? He didn't have his hand in, that his words weren't a part of. But now we've read also that everything was created through him and everything was created for him. So God created everything in this worth, on, on this world for himself, including us. We bring God great pleasure, right? And how do we bring God great pleasure? When we choose to love him, when we choose to obey him. And that's what this whole purpose of life is. Love, we've been over this, is not a feeling. That's a lie that the world tells us that love is a feeling. It was love at first sight. I had these great feelings for my spouse. Well, that may be true. Feelings change and feelings can mislead you. Love is a choice though. Love is a self-sacrificing choice. The word love, this word love that is often referred to in the New Testament of the Bible, is translated back to the word agape. Um, the, the Greek word is agape. And the Greeks have many different words for love. And we've been over this, right? I don't love my wife the same as I love my pickup, the same as I love my dog. I should love them all differently, right? So... This Greek word love, this Greek word agape is a self-sacrificing love. And 
when we choose to sacrifice of ourselves the way Jesus chose to sacrifice himself literally on the cross for us to pay the penalty we couldn't pay that's the example of love that's what love is and that when we choose to love God when we choose to deny ourselves pick up our cross and follow Jesus that that's true love and that's what um, brings him this great pleasure so everything was created for him through him and for him he existed before anything else meaning Jesus here in verse 17 and he holds all creation together so that that image we looked at before where you have the hand meant to be the hand of God and he's holding the universe in his hands he's holding it all together what does that mean he's holding it all together well if we want to break it down to a scientific level you have the laminin protein this laminin protein you can see the image the raw image on the right this laminin protein is what holds our cells together without this protein your cells wouldn't be wouldn't be able to to sustain the form that they have so what holds this whole thing together was this laminin what holds our bodies together is this laminin protein and this laminin protein just happens to be in the shape of a cross do you think that that was unintentional? you think God just, by coincidence, did that? No. He does everything with great detail. He is very intentional in all he does, including creating mankind. And when he created mankind, he holds this protein that holds our cells together, just happens to be in the shape of a cross, knowing that he would go to the cross, pay the penalty for each and every one of our sins, that he loved us so much that he who's willing to die for us. And then he gives us all these examples all throughout life that I'm going to hold you together. So his word says he holds us together. And here we have science that shows you that he holds us together. The word science, when you, tra- when you look up the definition of it, it just means knowledge. That's all it is, right? Science isn't so always a contradiction with the Bible as many people want to make it sound like it is. Actually, science backs up the Bible in many ways. So here we've read, the Bible tells us that Jesus is holding everything together. And here he shows us how that is. He's holding our cells together with this laminin protein that just happens to be in the shape of a cross. So when he's holding everything together, quite literally he is. So with that, that's where we'll end. We'll only go through the first three verses of Hebrews. You got any questions? You do? I have a comment. You have a comment? Okay. I think that's really cool. And the, the lemon and protein thing, I think that's really cool. And um, when we were first getting into Genesis, um, it said in the beginning, I, I forgot something, but it said it in the beginning. And I was thinking, like, in the beginning when it all started, I don't know. Like, weird. But I also wasn't thinking... I said no because not with his fingers, he said it with his words, like his, yep. in his hands. That's right. So he created these things not with his hands. He created the universe with his word. He created light with his word. And in the beginning, he existed before the beginning. So God exists outside of time, right? That makes sense. Yeah. So he's always here. existed. I just have a comment because Leanne and I are driving. Yeah, oh yeah. To 
skip the digital eyebrows done yesterday, and your man was asking a question. And I was like, well, that was just odd that you just talked about this today. Because we talked about science backing up the Bible. We were trying, yeah. And I couldn't remember the guy in Colorado Springs. That's another person to look up. But he takes astrology itself and in every part of it. You know who I'm talking about, too, Cherry. Every, it's, I forget But he takes every part of astrology itself and it backs up every part of the Bible. Yep. It's crazy. We Jason Lysa. Yeah. And they explain that very well. Answers in Genesis explains that very well. And that's the idea of that firmament and why I think that firmament was like a cloud covering, like a cloud canopy. You talk about the rainforest and how the rainforest has this canopy and the sun doesn't penetrate, but it has a lot different life, right? And so we talk about the Bible where people lived for hundreds of years and you say, well, that's impossible. Well, think about it. If I put something out in the sun for a year and it fades and deteriorates, but if I keep it inside away from the sunlight, it doesn't. So if there was this firmament over the earth, this cloud canopy um, that covered the earth and, and you still had light that came into the earth, but you didn't have the direct sunlight rays, that would have been a different life. And that these dinosaurs, um, the Bible speaks about dinosaurs itself. It speaks about it in the book of Job with Behemoth, this great creature that had a tail the size of a cedar tree. And he goes on to describe it more, but it seems more like a, a brontosaurus dinosaur. So then it wasn't until Noah that something changed. The rain fell. So I believe about that time this firmament went away and you see the atmosphere you see now. And that rain fell and that God flooded the earth. But I also think that, well, how did dinosaurs fit on there? Well, the answers in Genesis guys explain that very well. When God filled Noah's boat with every creature, it didn't say that he fills them all with adults. He could fill them with adolescents, with smaller babies. Um, and did not bring and, he, and he brings them all. No, they make it on board. They're just not, they're maybe, yeah, baby dinosaurs. It doesn't, the, the Bible doesn't say that God put all of these adult animals on board the ship. Right. You just need one so could he? Male, female. Same with giraffes. Yeah. Could it have been a giraffe that was three months old or two months old that was on okay. the ship? Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. And that you that could fit him in. Fit. But I guess that the whole dinosaur thing. Well, but and it also explains about that time of Noah's flood, when God floods the earth. That's when all these fossils are laid down. Well, it speaks of this global flood and all these sediments being laid down, not over long periods of time, but over a short period of time with a, mount, a large the amount of water. Ice age and all of that, that's, that's, I don't know, they say the ice age is what caused the extinct, or you, that's what I, the extinction of yeah, a lot of Yeah, and I think they just have it, I think they just have it backwards. The flood caused a lot of these animals to die. And the flood, what caused the ice age or this great cooling. So you've covered, think of it, we go down to like a river and you go down to a river and it's a lot cooler there than it is further away from the river, right? Well, now if you've covered the earth with water and God has a way that he can do that, that he covers the entire earth with water, you've cooled the earth down. And now you've created this where the polar caps have their ice age. So 
the answers in Genesis, they go on to explain it a whole lot better than I can. And that Jason Lysel, he explains a lot of things. You know, because people say, well, you look at how far away these galaxies are and how many light years it took for this to happen. Well, he goes on to explain it. It's all in how you measure the speed of light. And there's no possible way to understand. You understand what the speed of light is going to an object or coming back, and you say that it's the same speed. He says there's no possible way to determine that. And he goes on to explain it very well. But it's very possible that the speed of light going to an object is infinite. That's an unlimited speed. And the return speed after it goes to the object and back is the half-life. So it's faster going to an object. So this light that you see in the, this light that gets created, a star that gets created, the light coming to the earth is infinite. And then the return life going back is half. And he explains it all very, very well, but he does it from, in a, he's an astrophysicist, with, you know, very smart, very smart guy, but he looks at his studies of science from that aspect through the lens of the Bible to show what the Bible says and how it's created. And it just, that men think that they understand or humankind thinks, oh, we understand how this all happened, right? This is how it's explained. But kind of like science, when we look at the two images, the Hubble telescope, and you look at the new telescope, and you see a whole lot more detail that we didn't understand before, we, we just don't, men are arrogant and thinking they have it all figured out. We have the, um, I think the DVDs from when uh, Kim Ham came to the Calvary Chapel, and I, it was like, it blew my socks off. Well, I think yeah. I, I just couldn't remember the name, but I remember And a lot of science is theory. It's one theory until someone else proves that theory wrong, and, and that's what science is. So what our modern science is. But science, the definition is knowledge. It's just knowledge or understanding of something. So it doesn't, and our human understanding is usually pretty minor. So, so yeah. But yes, the answers in Genesis, if you look them up, I mean, they have classes that you can watch and it's pretty amazing how they explain. And they explain it from a scientific level. These are science, you know, men and women. I would say skip probably they because maybe once every couple of years they'll do like every Wednesday night for like six weeks. We're gonna go. We're gonna He's go. Doing, yeah. Yeah. So they'll try to review it so people because there is a lot of questions to it. I still have questions. Yeah. Carbon have dating another, is another one. People that want to throw out their like won't be killed. Well, you're fine. Well, it's about you will live off the land, basically, it's the seeds and the leaves and the greens. So, here we go in the beginning. So, you're not going to kill because there was no, no more death at that time. Oh, so you're not going anymore. to. Yeah, but that was before the fall, and then Correct. things so changed. You're not going to kill so before the fall, you were eating greens. Yes. So, yep. And so they go on to explain that. Drinks. 
and they go on and explain that very well, simply. It's just about, I mean, I'm just saying, yeah, because you didn't kill when it, it was before the fall. So yeah. that's, you weren't living off of, they weren't, they weren't eating meat, just saying. Yep. And again, you should look up the Ken Ham because he explains that too. When you look at a great white shark and they do these tests where they'll throw out chum and they'll throw out a patch of uh, kelp. And what does the shark go after first every single time? The kelp. Right. Every single and time. So. Dinosaurs dinosaur movies, what are the ones that are biggest? The ones that are the vegans. Or, you know what I mean? They're living off of the greens. Oh, yeah. I don't have a before time. Yep. And then, like, the... Well, there's the wombat, I think it is, with the, the huge, sharp teeth. And the... Oh, yeah. I think it's the wombat, the one with the big teeth. Is that what it is? Let me look at our description besides the big teeth. Yeah. But it, but it, it, use, it uses, no, this specific animal uses its big teeth to crack open, like, coconuts. Um, no, wombat is a little rat. Oh, that's not. Yeah, that's definitely not. But whatever it is, you know my point. People associate. Yeah, that's right. So. Oh, over here, yep. Dear Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you for this time to come together to learn about you, about your word, to have a, a better understanding of your character, of who you are. Jesus, I'm thankful that you created everything with your word, and I'm thankful that you created men and women with extra detail, just the way we were intended to be created, the, everything about us. The, you took the detail and the time to, to create us in a different way of the rest of the universe. And I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for the way you love us, the way you guide us, the way you provide for each one of us. Lord, I ask you would watch over um, and continue to bring healing to my mom, that you would guide the doctors, um, and that you would um, continue to do a work in, in helping her be mobile, that you would guide them in a treatment plan, that you would guide them um, in how to handle that going forward. You'd watch over Pam and Scott, that you'd bring them comfort, that you would do a miracle, that you would um, just bring a healing to Pam's body that only you can do. You watch over Kathy. You would give her wisdom. That You would give the doctors wisdom in their treatment plan. Yes, you watch over Christina and her heart. You would guide the doctors and um, how to treat her heart. And you would watch over her. You would protect it. You would watch over Bonnie. You would continue to bring healing for her. Keep her safe. You would bring healing to Matt's knees. You would guide Joey in the treatment of his knee. You would um, just show him what he should do. You would guide him to the right doctor for that. You'd watch over the coffee family. You would bring comfort to them. You would give them patience. You would give them peace. You would give them wisdom. You would give them forgiveness. Lord, I ask you would um, watch over all those in the PTSD, EMDR, counseling. You would give them the endurance to see it through to the end. You would um, just give them a sense of peace that only you can. You watch over Ming, you would give him strength, you would guide him, you would give him patience. You would watch over our school, you would guide it, you would protect it. You give each one of us the right words to speak. You would encourage us um, in fellowship with each other and that you would help us be a light and a witness to you, that we would reflect your light, Jesus, here on this earth. It's in Jesus' mighty name that I pray all these things. Amen.